Hello, welcome to the Lansing Area Church of Christ's weekly message podcast. If you'd like to learn more about LACC, please visit us online at lansingchurch.org. This week's podcast is Joel Nagel's message from our Easter service. Uh, All right, so I, I want you to, let's start off the message, I want you to imagine rising from the dead. Okay, like you died, you were dead for a few days, but you didn't stay dead. What would you do first? Okay, and maybe I'm not just a simple person, but I'm a really bad person, because I think it would, it would just be pranks the whole day. My, my first day, like, uh, and I was working on this on April Fool's Day, but just be in places and acting like nothing happened. Um, I don't know. Um, but, you know, there's actually, there is actually a little bit of that in the resurrection accounts. At the end of the Gospels, Jesus, he would enter rooms suddenly, and he would always say, peace be with you. And there's always an exclamation point at the end of that. Uh, like, it's like the equivalent of boo, but like, peace be with you. And you're like, how can I be peaceful when you just showed up and you're supposed to be gone? Um, that's pretty awesome. I don't know. But what would you do? What would you do day one? I want you to turn to Luke chapter 24. This is becoming one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. I read a book um, that was really life-changing from that was based on just this section we're going to read here. Uh, Luke 24, we'll start in verse 13. Okay, it starts off, it says, that very day, and it's talking about the day that Jesus rose from the dead. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened, Uh, While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, 
he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and those who were, the, who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, just like we said, uh, and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. So, day one, on the first Easter Sunday, Jesus took a seven-mile walk with two downcast disciples. And these aren't even the brand name disciples we know from the Gospels, like Peter, James, and John. One is named Cleopas, and we don't even know the other one's name. That's who Jesus spends the day with on day one. Isn't that interesting? You know, I don't think it's an accident. Jesus was purposeful in everything that he did. I think it actually tells us something very important about what Jesus values most. And that we have a word for it. It's the word is discipleship. Discipleship is the way. Discipleship works. If you're not familiar with discipleship, I'm going to give you the briefest introduction here. Jesus called disciples to follow him. And that's what a disciple is. A disciple is a follower or a student, a learner. He didn't come with a megaphone. When, he, when Jesus did talk to big crowds, he spoke in parables to make it actually a little bit harder for people, for the masses to understand. His real ministry, and this is his real ministry, it was with just a handful of disciples. I think that Jesus' most radical idea was that the whole world could change if just a few people decided to follow him, and then those followers helped other people to become followers, and on and on and on. And, and Jesus believed that this way of discipleship would change the world so much that even after rising from the dead, he practices discipleship on day one, walking with these men on the road to Emmaus. Discipleship works. Discipleship is the way. Discipleship is such a big deal in the Bible that the word disciple, discipleship, some form of that word appears over 270 times. The word Christian only appears three times. A true Christian is not merely a churchgoer in the crowd, but is a disciple of Jesus Christ. Walking daily with Jesus and with other Jesus followers. When we view Christianity through the lens of discipleship, everything changes. You know, there are some really big misconceptions about what it means to be a Christian. What I want to do for the message today is zoom in on this, this passage we read, this Emmaus walk, and see what mattered most about following Jesus. So I'm going to present you with three choices this morning. And the first choice is choosing realness over perfection. I think that this might be the biggest misconception that Christians and non-Christians have about our faith. Christians are supposed to be perfect. 
Non-believers will sometimes rejoice or even gloat when a Christian messes up, right? But I actually think that this misconception is more damaging for Christians who buy into it. When we falsely believe that we are supposed to be perfect, then what we do is we start to act perfect. But it's just an act because no one is perfect. But we start to think that we'll be judged if people find out how much we're really struggling. We think we won't measure up anymore. And pretty soon you end up with a church where everyone's sick, but no one will go to the doctor. That's a recipe for a dying church, by the way. But, but look, look at who Jesus chooses to spend his first day with. Two very imperfect disciples. But they're so real, and I love that. I think they, they, were, they were down, they were imperfect, but they were disciples, and so they were so real. It says that Jesus drew near, which is such a funny image. You know, you imagine, you know, these two guys, they're walking and talking, and they're feeling down, and they look back, and Jesus is like 30 feet back, and they're walking, and then they look back again, and he's like 15 feet back, and they look back, oh, he's right there. What are you guys talking about? Uh, like, that's the image that you get here of Jesus. And, uh, you know, they don't, they don't recognize him, but they still feel compelled for some reason. I think this is when you're with Jesus. This is what happens. They feel compelled to be real, to be honest, to be vulnerable. What would, what would you do if Jesus joined you for a walk? You're just walking and Jesus shows up. Hey, what are you thinking about? I wonder, would we present like the best version of ourselves? Like, oh, Jesus, I was thinking about you, actually. That's what I always think about on my walks. Or would we be honest? I was feeling down. When we pray, do you try to follow some holy script or pray the perfect prayer? Maybe you don't pray because you, you feel like you don't know how to do it right. Or, or is it like you're talking to your friend? You know, far from perfect, these disciples, when Jesus says, hey, what are you guys talking about? It says that they just stood there looking sad. <laughs> they just stand there looking sad. They, they even stop walking. And then they say, we had hoped. To Jesus, they say, we had hoped. You know, it, it takes a lot of vulnerability to tell someone, to say the words, we had hoped. I, you know, I had hoped. That's a vulnerable conversation right there. You're, t you're telling people about dashed hopes, dreams that didn't come true, failures. And then they go on, they even say, you know, some, some of the women that, that, that are in our company, they, they even said that the tomb was empty. But these guys didn't believe it. They didn't rush to the tomb. And this is who Jesus chooses to hang out with on day one. These downcast doubters. You know, I remember being, uh, being so heartbroken when I studied the Bible with Delia, uh, who we love so much. <clears throat> She's so awesome. But she had doubts. That was her biggest hurdle to, to following Jesus, to, be, to being a Christian, was her doubts. She felt so bad about doubting God that she thought she couldn't be in a relationship with God. The, the, the doubt brought on these waves of guilt and insecurity. And I remember telling her, I was like, 
It, I said, Delia, and this sounds counterintuitive, but admitting doubt is actually one of the most faithful things that we can do. We think that, that doubting is... I wonder how many of us... Do you think that when you have a doubt that you're sinning? We have doubts all the time. It's what we do with those doubts. Are we getting help? Are we getting honest? Are we, are we taking them to God? Um, me and Alex and Kyle, we had a Bible study with a, with a college student this week um, who was wrestling with the existence of God. And, and I said, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I, I wrestle with the existence of God sometimes. And Alex, what about you? Yeah, Kyle, yep. I want you to know that the, the three men on the staff of the church, we all sometimes struggle with doubt that God even exists. It's okay to doubt. It's okay to not understand something. It's okay to mess up. None of us are perfect. You know, the, the women who came to the tomb were so sure that Jesus was dead, even though he had repeatedly told the, the, his company, I'm going to rise. I'm going to rise from the dead. They were so sure that they brought embalming spices. They wondered, who's going to move the stone? The disciples were so sure that he was dead that they didn't believe the women's testimony. These disciples were so sure he was dead, they didn't believe the disciples' testimony. The founders of our faith were total disasters at key moments. Just like you and me. And Jesus still drew near. Are you trying to look perfect? I know it's Easter Sunday. We get dressed up. Or are you choosing to be real? Let's choose to be real. Amen? All right. The second question I have for you is, uh, the second choice, choosing community over individualism. You know, one of the remarkable things about Cleopas and his friend is that even in their sorrow, they were willing to welcome this stranger into their conversation. Like, if I'm having a really bad day and I'm on a walk and someone, like, comes up and says, hey, what are you talking about? I'm like, get, get away from me, man. What are you doing? Um, I, don't, I don't think I'd be so welcoming, but they're, they're disciples, so they, they were welcoming. You know, I think that uh, a big-time misconception about Christianity is that it's a personal faith. Our society is very individualistic. Perhaps, I think, the most individualistic in the history of the world. It's never been like this before for anybody who's ever lived on the earth that we could be this individualistic. And you know that that's seeped into our faith with this false belief that our relationship with God is just between us and God. Now, our relationship with God is between us and God, but it's not just between us and God. That's not biblical Christianity. There's no such thing as a lone Christian. To go it alone is to go without Jesus too. We need each other. You know, one of the, the other major events that happens during Jesus' 40 days of resurrection revolves around Thomas, who is known, I think, unfairly as Doubting Thomas. Maybe you even thought that when I said that. You're like, oh yeah, Doubting Thomas. He's a doubter. I don't think his biggest problem was actually doubting. I think his biggest problem was isolation. Because Thomas was actually quite brave. Earlier in the Gospels, when Jesus said uh, that he was going to go to Jerusalem, one of 
Thomas's only other lines in the Gospels, Thomas says, let's go with him and die with him too. That's a bold thing to say. It's very negative and pessimistic, but it's also very bold, right? Here's the real problem. When Jesus first appears to his disciples after the resurrection, Thomas wasn't there. The ten have to go and find Thomas and tell him that they saw Jesus. And that's when he famously says, not unless I put my fingers in the holes am I going to believe. Why wasn't Thomas with the disciples? Why do we isolate ourselves when things get tough? Why is that so often our first inclination? Like, oh, things are tough. i got to be alone. Why do we have such a hard time asking for help? Why do we fear burdening others more than the effects of being lonely and what that's going to do to us? Being a Christian means walking together in the same direction. Walking together in the same direction. We have to fight to be united, to be with people. We can't just veer off and do our own thing. The disciples on the road to Emmaus couldn't see Jesus, but they knew they shouldn't be alone. I wonder how many of us need to choose community instead of individualism. All right, our last choice, choosing relationship over religion. All right, so this one's a little cliche. Uh, but I want to explain it because we can't just dismiss it because it's on a bumper sticker or a cool t-shirt or whatever. All right? First of all, I want to say Christianity is a religion, and that's okay. We do things religiously. Like, hopefully you religiously wear deodorant and religiously brush your teeth. That doesn't mean it's a bad thing, okay? Um, we do things as disciples of Jesus, like taking communion, participating in baptism, reading the Bible and praying, even going to church. I hope you do those things religiously. But at the same time, I hope you don't just do them because of religion or because of religiosity, but because those are foundational things that we do to have a relationship with Jesus. I love, I love how this, uh, this walk to Emmaus ends. Jesus, he, he pulls the classic, like, oh no, I couldn't impose. Like, come on, come on, spend the, spend the day with it. It's late. Come on. He's like, no, 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 no. I, I could, I could. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll come. I, I love that. You, I, that plays out all the time still today. We do, that's what we do, right? I couldn't impose. Okay. Um, and and these, they beg him to come to dinner, and he comes to dinner. And as they eat, as Jesus breaks the bread, they realize they've been walking and talking with Jesus. He really did rise from the dead. Jesus is alive. When he, when he broke the bread, that's when the realization hit them. And here's the thing. Breaking bread is a religion thing. And it's a relationship thing. We break bread, or in these COVID times, we unwrap the little wafer thingy. Um, but we do that every week, and we meditate on Jesus together. That's, that's part of a religious thing that we do to meditate on Jesus. We're going to do that in just a minute. But we also break bread when we eat together, we practice community with one another. The disciples, they had eaten with Jesus. They had these Cleopas and his friend, they had spent time at, a, at the table with Jesus. 
They had seen him break bread. This, this reminder of their relationship that, yeah, yeah, we hung out with this guy. This is our friend. That's the spark that they needed to see to realize that Jesus was alive. Here's the thing. Being a Christian is not about what you know. It's about who you know. Easter is not about the historical fact that he rose from death to life. It's the fact that he's still alive. Do you know about Jesus? Or do you know Jesus? We know about the president. We know about Tiger Woods. We can even tell other people things about them. Is that what it's like with you and Jesus? Or do you know him? I love that Jesus is like, hey, what are you guys talking about? Can I walk with you? They say, hey, come on, come on, have a meal. This. Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't. Jesus, he's not going to force himself on anybody. That's amazing. And as disciples, we shouldn't force, force Jesus on people either. But here's the thing. I love talking to people about Jesus. Not because I want to be pushy, but because it's like, if you knew what this life with Jesus was about, if you understood how real this is, if you could see the lives that he still changes today, you just, you need to know him. The way these disciples got their minds blown when Jesus broke the bread. Can you imagine that moment? You've just walked seven miles and talked about pretty, actually the realization of what you talked about uh, had to be pretty convicting. Like, oh man, we were doubting this guy. It was him. Right? And then afterward, they say, our hearts were burning when he shared the scriptures with us. And then afterwards, they run the whole seven miles back that very evening to say, the women were right. Peter was right. He has risen. You know, I don't know about you, but I experience those same kinds of things regularly in my walk with Jesus. Not all the time, because I'm not perfect. But, man, this is what life with Jesus is like. My eyes get opened to God's power and grace when I share meals with you guys. My heart burns when I read the Word. When I, keep, when I see new insights in the Bible, I'm like, oh my goodness. And sometimes I just can't help but share about Jesus with other people. I... I strategize with God. I, I, I go on prayer walks and I'm thinking about people like, how am I going to say this? Who, how am I going get to get Jesus into this conversation with this person? Because he's alive in my life. I've met him. We've walked together. We've spent the day together. If you've met Jesus, then everything changes. The resurrection changes everything. Not because there was an empty tomb, but because the tomb is still empty, but our hearts are filled with his living presence. I hope that that's your experience. I hope you're walking on that heaven road like we sang. All right, I want to close out with this, with a question here. This will guide us into our communion. It's the, it's the big question of Easter. It's bigger than the question of Reese's eggs versus Cadbury eggs, which is Obviously a no-brainer, Reese's eggs. If you think otherwise, you can go worship somewhere else. Okay, the, the big question is, do you believe in the resurrection? You're like, I'm here on Easter. No, let's be honest. Do you believe 
in the resurrection. Do you believe it? You know, there are all kinds of evidences, apologetics, details here and there that have been presented, which are awesome. I think those things can help us to believe. But I want to tell you why I believe. I believe because discipleship works. The radical Jesus plan was one by one, disciple making disciple, walking and talking on the road together, eating together, one by one, soul by soul, town by town, that the whole world would change. The plan, that plan, was so important that Jesus did discipleship on the very first Easter Sunday. And what was the result? Did discipleship work? Yes, it's so amazing. Not one person thought Jesus would rise from the dead, even though he told them repeatedly. The women didn't believe it. They came to embalm him. The disciples didn't believe it, even when they heard the tomb was empty. Thomas didn't believe it, even when all the others did. No one believed that Jesus could be alive. They were all doubters. If you asked them this question, they would all say, no. But they were all disciples. Not perfect, but learners. Students willing to learn, even in sorrow, even in confusion. Fast forward about a decade, I think it's actually like 13 years after this Emmaus walk. Acts 11.26 tells us that the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. What does that tell us? This handful of downcast, doubting disciples spread the gospel to the point that it started spreading itself. They got branded as Christians. That's when you know you've made it. When you get like a slightly demeaning nickname and it sticks, you're going places. They were starting to change the world through discipleship, one by one, house to house, one soul at a time. You know, as a church, over the next few months, we're going to study out what happens when disciples make disciples. We're just going to start with that verse right there and march through Acts along with Paul. It's going to be awesome. I want to invite you to keep coming, check out these sermons. Because as a church, we have this stubborn belief that helping people become Christians is something that every Christian can and should do in their own way. We're introducing a new study series called Go With God. Here's the cool little booklet that goes with it. There's a website even. Um, And you can use this to help anybody become a Christian. Your friends will learn so much. And you can be the one to help them. We'll have, as the announcement said, our first training with free lunch will be in a couple of weeks. Go lunch. It's amazing when you read, to read the Bible, the Bible story, and, and see that a decade after the Emmaus walk, the word of God was organically spreading throughout the world. It's amazing to see that discipleship worked. But I don't believe in the resurrection because discipleship worked. I believe it because discipleship works. If you want evidence that Jesus is alive today, look around. Not one person who knew Jesus believed that he would rise from the dead. And here we are, almost 
2,000 years later, celebrating his resurrection from the dead on that same weekend. What could cause such a turnaround? I mean, it's like they saw a ghost or someone rise from the dead, right? Discipleship still works. If you want proof, you got to decide to be a disciple, though. And what that means is you're not going to choose to be perfect. That's not what it means to be a disciple. You're going to choose to be real. You're not going to choose to have your own faith. You're going to believe with us. You're not going to choose to be more religious. You're going to choose to be in a relationship. Invite Jesus for coffee, for a walk, for a talk, and bring some other disciples with you. My Easter challenge is for you to be a disciple, a learner in the Jesus school. If you need to learn what that means, jump into these Bible studies and start going with God. If you already consider yourself to be a disciple, then decide to learn how to teach other people over these next couple of months. This, we've got, this is going to be an exciting couple of months. Discipleship works. And we've got a lot of work to do as disciples. If walking with disciples was the thing that Jesus chose to do on day one of new life, then walking as disciples is what we should choose to do this Easter and every day that we're alive. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray and we'll take communion. Uh, Lord, I, I thank you so much that Jesus is walking with us still. Uh, when we pray, we get, to, we get to walk and talk with Jesus uh, so much like those, uh, those disciples on the road to Emmaus did. We thank you for this weekend and what it means that it's so much more than a holiday weekend, uh, although I pray that we could have peace and joy through it, but to think about what Jesus did, which we remember right now uh, with this communion, that his body was broken like the bread, that his, his blood was poured out like the fruit of the vine that, we, that we're going to take with, with one another right now so that we could have life, uh, that he could be the firstborn from among the dead so that we could have that same amazing hope. Lord, I pray for every single person here, everybody watching along with us. I pray that Jesus could be alive, not just as a historical fact, but alive in each of us, changing lives, impacting the world one by one, just like Jesus taught us to do. Thank you for letting us be his disciples. Thank you for calling us your children. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Lansing Area Church of Christ. While we're happy to share this message via podcast, we'd love to pray and worship with you in person. To learn more about our services or to connect with us, please visit us at lansingchurch.org. Have a great week and go with God.